The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the straight-talking business show that is committed to assisting entrepreneurs to be more successful, to give you the tips that can help you develop your business and also bring you information about what others that are successful are doing. This program's all about helping you. So no matter where in the world you happen to be, because we've got listeners on five continents, so I want you to write to me, come to my website, Sign up for my for my um, newsletter. The new one's just gone out. Become my contact on LinkedIn, and uh, let me tell me what you think. Share your ideas with me. Give me your criticisms and praise if you have any, and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. Now, I heard a story quite some time ago that um, I think is really inspirational, with a lot of lessons for young entrepreneurs. It concerns Omar Solomon, who with his partner, Nick Friedman, turned a totally disorganized one-truck junk hauling business into a national brand. Solomon was driving their bright orange and green junk truck down the road, and at the same time, he was checking his diary for the address of his next appointment. Then his cell phone rang with a very, very unhappy caller. At the other end. I'm behind one of your trucks, said the driver. And the driver's not staying in his lane. Solomon apologised and promised that the employee would be disciplined. What the caller, of course, didn't know was that he was talking to the careless driver himself. The 800 number on the side of the truck was routed to his cell phone. This episode, it led to a realisation. If he and his partner were going to achieve their goal of expanding this one-truck operation into a national brand, something had to change. They needed to begin working on the business instead of in it. Now, I've talked about this over and over again, the need for taking a pause, stepping back and working on your business instead of in it. Driving the trucks, answering the phones and hauling the junk themselves was preventing them from growing the business. But the idea of turning over the keys of their one truck to an employee, it gave them nightmares. How could they be certain that an employee would treat the business with the same serious and dedication that they did? Well, that's a problem for most businesses. That's when another light bulb went on. Omar thought back to how much he'd hated every job that he'd ever had. 
He and Nick set out to create the environment that was the opposite of all those jobs he'd had. They asked themselves, how could they make the company fun and different so they could differentiate themselves from their competitors and attract the best and brightest to come work for them? They decided that the answer was to treat the business, the, their employees like business owners and not like employees. This meant giving them the freedom and the authority to operate their piece of business the way they saw fit. You know, there had to be limits on that, of course. And so they did. And as they started hiring people, they made it clear that each of their drivers was expected to run the truck as if it was their own small business. They had control of the marketing, sales, and even the profits. There would be no boss breathing down their neck and no top-down office hierarchy. Instead, each employee was given a business card with his name on it and whatever title that they wanted. So imagine the difference in attitude between their employees and their competition's employees. Their competition's employees aren't handing out business cards while doing a job. They aren't looking for efficiencies or ways to cut costs. And during their time off, they didn't work on marketing projects or write blogs about their day hauling junk. But Omar's employees did that. Six years have gone by since that early realisation. College hunks hauling junk has grown now to 37 franchises across the US, with a national call centre fielding every call and dispatching appointments. Now they have more than 500 employees system-wide. They receive dozens of franchise leads every day from people who want to open a business based on their concept in their own city or town. Now, one would have expected this amazing growth from zero to 500 to be the result of technology-based efficiencies or some technology system, but that isn't it. When people ask what separates college hunks hauling junk from other junk hauling companies, the response is really simple. They do not hire junk haulers. They hire future doctors, lawyers and business owners. Who would you rather have knock on your door? They're pretty sure that no other junk hauling company can say that they have employees who have gone on to play in the NFL, for example, or have gone on to be doctors. Their insistence on hiring high-caliber employees is exactly why they have earned a level of trust that's extremely rare in the junk removal industry. Three of their franchise owners are former employees who started off as junk trawlers and eight of their general managers started out the same way. Their corporate staff, well, you guessed it. They all started as junk haulers. Omar likes to think that college hunks hauling junk is succeeding as a direct result of his efforts. But he's got a secret. He knows, or he says, that he's not that smart. He explains the real secret to success is that they don't have just one CEO, they have 500. They drive the trucks, haul the junk, answer the phone, and by doing so, each of them build an empire each and every day. I just love that story. If more businesses empowered their team, gave them more responsibility and opportunity, we would greatly 
increase productivity and return on investment. More importantly, we would experience strong growth. Omar and Nick, that is a great example for all businesses everywhere. I've talked before on this show about the major mistakes that companies make. One of the mistakes that become a kiss of death for many businesses is not having a marketing plan that will result in success. You know, I frequently consult with businesses and discover the really tragic fact that 90% of them are flying by the seat of their pants with no direction for tomorrow, no idea of how much money they're going to make in the next 365 days, and absolutely no idea of where they're going to be. They have no business plan or marketing plan whatsoever. And many don't realise that a business plan and a marketing plan are really quite different. Your business will never succeed unless you commit to writing a plan that guides you to that success. Now, this is a fact. It's not fiction. It's a fact that too many businesses will never accept to their own demise. I spoke to a guy in London during the week who said, you know, I don't want to put the effort into a business plan. I'm going to put the effort into the business. And he was absolutely adamant that he didn't want a business plan, wasn't going to have a business plan. And so I sent him a note saying, best of luck. <laughs> Let me know in six months how you're getting along. And I'll report back to you because I'll bet that he's no further advanced than he is right now. Now, I believe there's 14 segments that um, need to be in a business plan, and that's not including financials. I'd like to give you just a broad perspective of some of the things that should be in it. Well, there's a lot more than this, but this is a start. You need a specific, clear, precise revenue objective for each year, for each product and each service that you offer. You break this down into how many items you've got to sell to provide that amount. Then you've got to work out how many sales you need to make, and this becomes your target. How many sales? Therefore, I need, if you get one sale in every, from every two prospects, double that. And it, it will tell you how many people you have to, doors you have to knock on every day. Then you need to specify a specific amount of revenue for each month for each product and service. So you do the same as you did with sales, except figure the totals on a monthly basis. You need to determine how you're going to differentiate your business for your comp- from your competitors because if you don't, you'll end up competing on price and the latest Citibank study shows that companies that do, that do their business based on price go broke. You need to undertake an objective evaluation of all the different marketing alternatives that's called the marketing mix, that will help you reach your monthly and yearly goals. Don't just consider traditional marketing options. In today's changing environment, you must include your new media options. You've got to determine which marketing alternatives to use, in what ways, how often, and how much these alternatives are going to cost you in money, time, and materials. And you need to ascertain how you can measure the return on investment for each of these vehicles. You need to determine your value proposition. 
your headlines, your consumer purchasing benefit, your emotional hooks, your risk reversal, your added value, your call to action. Each of those things need to be evaluated and adapted for each marketing vehicle. And then you need to develop a system that will enable you to capture and keep track of all your customers and all the prospects and the results of the contact. And you need to develop techniques to help you to sell a back-end product or a back-end service to a new customer. Now, these are the absolute bare-bones basics that you need in your plan. With this information alone, you'll probably perform head and shoulders above your competition because they won't be doing it. Now, the key words in that last sentence are on a daily basis. Marketing should be a daily activity for you. It's not difficult to draw up a simple marketing plan like the one I've just outlined. The problem is that most companies feel like they have to have graphs and charts and demographic specifications and all the other mumbo-jumbo that just confuses people and makes your job hard. But realise the power of this simple, easy-to-do marketing plan is putting it on paper. You can't expect your business to succeed unless you do. And you also need to constantly monitor it. Modify it as the market changes and your competitors react to your changes. And it must be flexible. You've got to understand that as your business grows and succeeds, your marketing plan must be updated. Just ask yourself, is this plan taking you where you want to go? Is there any part of the plan that isn't focused on the end objective? And what can you do to update the plan to gain more focus on this end objective? Questions like these need to be asked on a weekly basis. Remember, without a written plan, your success is extremely unlikely. So if you have a question concerning any specific element of your business, send me an email and if I answer it on air, I'll send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, or a copy of Marketing Magic, a book that I wrote with Brian Tracy, Robert Bly, Jay Conrad Levinson, and and 14 other marketers. Now, I'll be back after this short break with my first guest, who's Tim Draper. Now, Tim's the guy. He's a multi-billionaire. He's the guy who created viral marketing, responsible for Hotmail and Skype, and one of 50 most influential Harvard graduates. My second guest is Dana Steele, an extraordinary lady who was the doyen of US rock radio. I love her. She's fantastic, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the interview. I'll be back after this short break with Tim. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. 
Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. My guest today is Tim Draper, described as the Prince of Silicon Valley, the creator of viral marketing, instrumental to the success of Hotmail and Yahoo Mail, a major investor and contributor to the success of Skype, Baidu, and 40 other early-stage trailblazing companies. I met Tim at Microsoft on his 50th birthday when he entertained us with one of his famous songs. Hi, Tim. Hey, Bob. How are you? I'm doing really well. Terrific. Uh, when you Google Tim Draper, you get thousands of entries that paint you as this legend who's done absolutely everything. So what continues to get you up in the morning? <laughs> well, um I, I think it's people who will transform or could transform industries and countries. And um, and I think we're in such an exciting time right now that um, that the Internet and and all things electronic have have um, every electron out there has transformed so many industries and there's so many more to go. And it makes us all close. It brings us all closer together. It uh, geographic borders start to fall. Uh, there's some extraordinary new technologies that make our lives better. There is a lot that gets me up in the morning. I understand that you're just as prepared to invest in an idea that's scribbled on the back of a napkin and tossed around at a meeting as you are in a business that has a hundred-page business plan. Why is that? Oh well, I I, um, I look at it very differently. Um, I I am really investing in people uh, who who want to spend their lives transforming an industry and and changing the way the world works and uh, and improving our lives. And if that happens on a napkin or a hundred page business plan, I'm I'm good with it. Uh, we generally at DFJ we will. Uh, Look at business plans uh, for for how big is the market, uh, how innovative is the idea or the or yep. the business, yep. and and what does the business model look like? And we we put all that together, and then when we finally meet with someone, we're looking for that fire that tra- that will um, will stay with them no matter how hard the business gets. Right. We want people who'll stay there forever, work hard forever. Well, most of those Lennon McCartney songs were written on napkins and and uh, and whatever, so it seems to work. 
you've seen lots and lots of successes. So what's yeah, the best? song? By the way, the song you um, you heard me sing, I think I wrote that on a napkin too. <laughs> <laughs> I love the I love your songs. For anybody who hasn't um, seen them, if you go onto Google, there's um, a bunch of them there. You'll enjoy them. Um, you've seen lots of successes. What's the best idea that you've um, ever seen that got screwed up, and what happened? Well, we have <laughs> seen more failures. Um, then we have successes. Our successes are, are, uh, fewer and farther between, but we, um, we see occasional successes that become great, uh, great successes. And, um, they're so big that it transform, that it allows us to, uh, continue to invest in the business. And that, that's what, um, makes me so excited. But, um, the best idea we've ever seen screwed up, well, it's usually uh, when founders aren't getting along that makes uh, makes a business not work. Yeah. And there are plenty of great ideas that uh, that get screwed up, but it's more often that a great idea becomes an industry, and there is a winner uh, that comes after a, a bunch of attempts. So, like yeah. Friendster came before Facebook, sure. uh, and and a number of other. Uh, and there were 25 search engines before Google. So uh, so they don't necessarily have to screw up, but they can be outmaneuvered. You're, you're an astute judge of a great idea whose time's approaching. I know that you look at um, ideas that are into the future that are going to make a, a, a difference into the future. And, um, so have you ever made the wrong call that you've invested and it died or you passed and it became a monster? Yeah, um well, invested and died, that's that that makes up for about 60% of the companies that we invest in um actually end up not making it. But but uh the ones who uh became a monster deal, those are the ones that we lose sleep over and um and to this day we really uh, we should have invested in LinkedIn. It, it was uh, a brilliant entrepreneur. It was a Wonderful opportunity, and uh, and we we miscalculated on what the market would think. That's a fantastic business tool. I use it regularly. So anybody who's listening that doesn't that isn't on LinkedIn and doesn't use it, you really should because it's um it's a great asset. But we've we've missed a lot of others. Um, I got outbid in in uh, trying to invest in Facebook. And, uh, outbid in trying to invest in Yahoo. There were, uh, and so I missed both of those because, uh, I was, uh, there was another venture capitalist who came in with a, with a higher price. Right. <laughs> That's the way it works. Um, <laughs> you've got offices in 30 cities around the world now, as I understand it. Um, is there a particular area of the world where the entrepreneurs are really hungry and have got a more fierce desire to succeed than perhaps at the moment in the U.S.? Yeah, I would have said I would have said Vietnam up until about uh, three weeks ago, but uh, I think the Arab countries are wide open for um, for great entrepreneurs, and I think it's the women in the Arab countries that are the going to be the hungriest entrepreneurs. I think that's going to be uh, a hotbed of entrepreneurial activity, and it'll take a while, take years probably, before um, we see anything like a, a uh, Skype or a Facebook or a Google come out of there. But uh, I, I was uh, 
I, I ran into two or three of these women entrepreneurs in the Arab countries, and they are they are loaded for bear. Yeah, uh, I um I give a lot of speeches in in the Middle East and and uh, other places, and I found I did a, a ten city tour of Iran <laughs> last year, and it, they have more education centres than I've ever seen. They MBA. Um, colleges all over the place and they're really focusing on education and the young people, you know, forgetting the government for a minute, but the young people, um, male and female, are out there desperately trying to learn <laughs> as much as they can and they're so entrepreneurial. I was I was really surprised. I, I guess I read too many newspapers about what I expected Iran to be like, but um, I was really surprised just how hungry these kids are. You know, you know where else uh, they're going to buy. You know, I had, have to done a lot of traveling because we are um, all in offices all around the world. So, yeah. another place where um, where it's very interesting is in Africa, um, as these as these uh, dictatorships start to fall. Yeah. Uh, the people of those countries are recognizing. They're waking up and they're saying, "Oh my gosh." You mean that if I create something great, the government won't take it from me? Yeah. Uh, they, all of a sudden, they're starting to wake up too. And so, I'm very excited about these um, these places that were uh, that were really forgotten lands for quite a while. And now, uh, now with with the advent of Hotmail and and Skype and Facebook and Twitter. People are now watching as bad governments fall and good governments thrive. And, and uh, not only the governments thrive, but the countries thrive when yeah. they have a good government. With these new entrepreneurs popping up all over the world, is, um, is venture capital in these countries keeping up or do a lot of these companies look to the U.S. to um, provide capital? Well, it's a little bit of each. Uh, we get a lot of um, entrepreneurs flying in from all over the world to come to the Silicon Valley. Sure. But uh, but the way we found Skype and Baidu um, and Focus Media was to go out to them. It was uh, much. It was very important to go find the entrepreneur wherever wherever they may be. So your offices in these various countries are um, are out actively scouting for ideas, not just sitting back waiting for them to come to you. Oh, absolutely. And um, and we have great teams of people who are locals in each of the regions, and uh, and they, uh, they also have good perspectives when we go and we start talking to them about which companies are interesting. They, uh, they will have that local feel. They'll have that local uh, – they'll say, well, wait, this guy's mother-in-law – was working for this guy's competitor, and and so we know who he is, and and uh, he's a good guy or he's not a good guy, whatever. And so you do learn, um, you learn a lot more with a local team. Are you in Australia? I'm Australian originally, as you can probably tell. I've been living here for 25 years, but I still sound like I got off the boat yesterday. Um, are you in Australia? <laughs> well, we actually had an had a relationship with an Australian venture firm in Southern Cross, and they were. Um, and they're terrific, uh, but they are going it alone. They decided not to be a part of our network, but uh, we think that uh, eventually we'll get them back. Yeah, it's a pretty entrepreneurial country, actually. Um, oh, it's extraordinary, and for some reason, um, and Australians travel a lot. Now, yeah. For some reason, uh, some of those great entrepreneurs don't break out 
and go after the world market soon enough, and no, uh, and it's a shame. Yeah, that is true. Um, a lot of creativity there in that country. Your reporter is saying that the important elements in a successful startup are a great business idea that could change the world, obviously. Exceptional talent, dedication, and passion. Which of these has the most impact on a company's success, do you reckon? Well, I think it, it's probably passion because uh, I, I learned in, in 2001 that the people who were in it just for the money uh, all left like rats on a sinking ship. Yeah. But the people who really had the passion for what they were doing and they really wanted to change the way people operated, uh, they were the ones who, who stuck with it, uh, toughed it out through, you know, I'd say 10 tough years and are still alive today to, um, to fight on. And, uh, in a lot of cases, they're looking at, um, IPOs and XPOs, which are private, private public offerings. Um, a a very quick last question, Tim. Um, can the government do more to help entrepreneurs or should they stay the hell out of it and leave it to, um, private enterprise? Well, the the government um, can can encourage entrepreneurship early on, and they can fund research and they can fund education. Um, but in general, uh, when they try to get too involved, uh, or or if something becomes a success and then they jump on it, uh, they can be too big a a part of it. They can get in the way. Um, they they shouldn't. Uh, one thing they should not do is they should not pick the winners. Uh, they shouldn't fund Solyndra. They shouldn't uh, try to uh, make their uh, you know make themselves be the venture capitalists. I I think uh, to create a nice environment is great, and I think uh, things like bankruptcy law and rule of law are two things that every government should have, and um, and. I think once once you have that, uh, then I think you don't want to tweak with it too much. You just want to allow entrepreneurs the um, the freedom to go out and try new things. And um, a government that is quick to regulate is is one that kills creativity and entrepreneurship. So I would say uh, hesitate until until it's it's a real problem if you're going to regulate. Tim, thank you very much for your time this morning. I know how busy you are. I really appreciate it, and I hope we catch up again soon. Oh, great. My pleasure. Thank thank you very much for the testimonial for my new book. Greatly appreciate it. Great. Oh, great. It's a great book. Thank you. Okay. See you soon. Go, go. Bye-bye. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. 
Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Radio Show. This is the segment in the show where we, we talk to people who are involved in entertaining or entertainment business, whether it be speaking or theme parks or whatever it is, about what goes on behind the scenes. Not the glitzy and glamour crap that you see in the tabloids, but what the real business is all about. We've had great discussions with actors, producers, theme park attraction developers, and lots of others. Today, my guest is Dana Steele, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and an author. Dana is the author of Rock to the Top, a wonderfully entertaining and educational tome about what she learned about success from the rock and roll business. Dana was known as the Lady of the Night, that bit appeals to me, and then the first lady of Houston Rock Radio at KLOL with a legion of fans called the Steelworkers, which I also thought was cute. For years, she's built relationships with the world's top rock stars. I've read about Billy Idol at Waterworld, traveling with Van Halen, friends with David Cosby, dinner with ACDC, drinks with David Bowie. It goes on and on and on. Now, the reason for this segment is to show the parallels between entertainment and business. Dana is an expert at both. Hi, Dana. How are you? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And that was a great intro. I'm taking you on the road with me. Oh, okay. I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned to you before that I was a rock singer back in my younger days, and I gave it up because I realized that I really didn't have enough talent and was only a matter of time before somebody worked it out. Um, why on earth would you give up a stellar radio career, particularly in rock and roll? Why would you give that up? Well, you know what? I know early on, early on, that my shelf life as a female rock and roll DJ was short. It really was. And there's only so much money you can make in it. And I'll be perfectly honest, I am a capitalist from the word go. And I love money and I love the, the things that money and success buy. Um, 
and, and I could see where radio was going. I could see, first of all, that my career wasn't going to be that long. It was just the nature of the beast. Yeah. And I needed to get in. I needed to work hard, strike hard, make the money, and make the contacts and that, turn that into something else. That's the most important part of it. That's I still have um, people come up to me um, who say, you know, I saw you. 40 years ago <laughs> on television, and I remember you. And that you can't buy that sort of exposure, can you? No, and it's wonderful. But you've got to figure out, and you did, and I did, and it's with any business, whether you're, you know, whether you're on television or on the radio or you're, you know, a salesman, the number one salesman for the, you know, Acme Corporation. Yeah. Things don't last forever. Everybody got tired of the original iPod, so they had to come up with the iTouch and then the iPad. And, you know, Steve Jobs was one of those visionaries, and that's what you have to be. Every successful person, whether, you know, you're Mick Jagger or not, you have to be a visionary and not only keep your customers happy today and keep them really happy because the competition's so fierce, but you also have to be a fortune teller and be following the trends and what are people saying on Twitter and what are they saying on Facebook and, and what is it that there's a need for. You have to be looking forward, and that's what I was constantly doing in my career. The majority of people that, that, that I worked with, you know, a lot of them, not a majority, but, you know, there's a lot of them that are that are doing traffic for minimum wage. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. Sure. I wanted to go on and, and do more. And so I was constantly looking for opportunity to meet new people, try new things. And, and also when people would say, um, do you do presentation training? My answer is yes. Now I'll work um, out how the hell to do it. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll figure it out later. Yeah, do you exactly. do, um, you know, can you type? Yes. That's how I got my first job at my first major market radio station. And I went out and practiced typing so that I could fake my way through this until I could talk my way onto the air. I saw a photograph of you in a black little number with little round glasses with CDs stuck all over you. And I would have employed you anywhere in that at yeah, at that time. I don't, I'm not sure how long ago that was, but it's one hell of a photograph. Do you know how scary the first part of that sentence was? I saw a photo of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I am so grateful there were no cell phones in the 80s. <laughs> so, and, and that's what I tell people is, you know what? I wasn't a saint, and yes, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I'm here to tell you it was Fun. It was. But I also knew it was a business. Right, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It was. Now, it one, was amazing, and it still is. Yeah. Um, one line that really caught my attention um, is your statement that the biggest and most successful rock stars work the hardest, and you know, and this is a business show, so we talk about business all the time, and. There's a great parallel, I reckon, between people who are successful in the rock and roll business or in any entertainment business are the ones who are smart, who have passion, who work hard, who plan. And and that's, a, that's such a great statement. Examples well, and it of is, people you know, who work hard. I, I use the four principles, the four rock star principles of success. The first one is passion. And it's not that they yeah. were doing something they were passionate about. It's that they continue to feed the passions of their customers. You want the analogy in business? Customer service. They kept their customer, they gave their customers what they wanted. They took care, you know, they fed that passion constantly. 
The second one is knowledge. Even though they were, you know, even though, um, uh, let's say Robert Plant is singing Stairway to Heaven for the one millionth time and hates that song, that's what you paid to see. That's what he's going to do. He's going to fulfill that passion. But he's also one step ahead and, you know, looking at recording with Alison Krauss and looking at doing different things. Yep. He, he keeps up with what's going on. So you've got knowledge. The third one is networking. It's constantly getting out there, whether it's a concert or with the record people or it's schmoozing. It's constantly building your fan base, your network, because you never know who's going to be that next person that brings you that next killer project. That's and right. the fourth one is appreciation. It's the gold records. It's the, you know, it's the dinners. It's the trips. It's, it's all the, you know, the, as we used to call it, Bob, the swag that, Yep. that we got. Yeah. But you know what? When you gave me a platinum album that, you know, said to Dana Steele, let me tell you, when you came out with that next album, it could be crap and I was going to play it because <laughs> I got a platinum album on my wall. And, and, and I remembered that you acknowledged that I did something for you. So you got passion, networking, knowledge, and appreciation. Well, and you and I know there's a lot more that goes into it, but that is a basic foundation for any successful career. I agree with that. Now, it, it's interesting because I, I started thinking about this um, yesterday and I thought, you know, rock bands are generally made up of average guys, but they've got a fierce passion. And running a business is probably, you know, the same sort of people, but they can't maintain the passion and 95% of businesses fail within 10 years. So... Do you think that it's it's the ability of rock stars to continually maintain a passion twenty years later, where after you know five years a businessman sort of bored with the whole thing? I don't think it's so much passion as it's is, is that that every time they record a new song, yeah, they are odds are they're going to fail, right. And, but they keep going. They learn from it. Okay, that didn't work. The audience didn't like that. But they liked this. Let's do that. Um, you know, they want more lights. They want more pyro. I think it's that most people, A, don't want to do the work yep. that, that goes into it from the very beginning, and, and it's a lot of work, and B, they don't try new things. Yeah. They rest on their laurels. Or they say that can't be done, or that's not the way we do it. Yep. Bands and artists continually try new things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the movie's a hit, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the TV show's a hit, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the new speech I try is a hit, sometimes it's not. If they didn't laugh at that line, then I'm going to go back to the line they did laugh at, <laughs> or the one that did touch a nerve. You know, and it, people are scared to fail. The people that fail, Steve Jobs, I keep going back to him, but he yeah. was such a visionary. And, uh, you know, everything he created was not an iPad. It wasn't a hit. There was crap he made yep. that didn't work. And he came back and said, that's crap. Let's figure out a way to make it better. Yeah, I think one other thing. And most people, when they fail, they quit. I think one other thing, though, with rock stars is that every time they walk onto the stage, they get that appreciation and, and a pat on the back for a job well done, where a CEO probably doesn't get many pats on the back and, in fact, probably gets criticised at the end of every quarter for not putting up enough um, uh, profits to 
to warrant a share price increase. So he's constantly being knocked down where rock stars are constantly being built up. So maybe well, they're that... constantly being built up, but then they put out a song and it's not a hit. Yeah. So now another not constantly being built up. And, and, and again, I'll go right back to him again. Steve Jobs, you know what? You got to be, Gene Simmons has the best line and that is, life is too short to have anything but delusional notions about yourself. I agree you with that. You have got to throw your shoulders back. You have got to believe that you're the best CEO or you're the best company or you're the best widget maker or you're the best rock star, and you've got to walk into every room and every situation and develop a thick skin because the bigger you get and the more successful you get, whether it's in business or rock and roll, there are going to be people trying to knock you down. And I know we're running out of time. I wanted to give you one other quote that I love, and that's from Dolly Parton. She said, I don't mind stupid blonde jokes because I know I'm not stupid and I definitely know I'm not blonde. <laughs> I'm actually doing an interview with Gene Simmons um, next week, and he wrote a forward to your book, and you didn't even have to sleep with him. I mean, how good a, you must be a good talker. <laughs> You know what? I was so persistent. It was either going to be a forward or a restraining order, one of the two. <laughs> Fortunately, it worked out in my uh, on my behalf. I think he is one of the best marketers around, and it's interesting because I was talking to um, Tim Draper, who um, is responsible, as you probably know, for Hotmail and Skype and all multi-billionaire out of um, Silicon Valley. And even he said Gene Simmons is just one hell of a marketer because he works. Oh, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. If you can get past the pontification, he's brilliant. But you know what? He's up before everybody else, and he's still working when everyone else goes home. And while everybody else is out drinking and partying, Gene is still working and thinking and networking. The man doesn't drink. He's never touched a drug in his life. He's smart. He's yeah. really, really smart. He's, a, he's a, almost a great example of... Um working on your business, not in it, although he works in it too, but he, he he spends as much or more time working on the business as he does in the business. So who's the one rock outfit that can really teach companies about how to run a business, about branding, knowing your audience, giving them what they want, merchandising? Sammy Hagar. Sammy really? Hagar. I mean, look at the guy. He's still going. He's still going strong. He has so many businesses. He gives back to the community in so many ways you don't even read about. He sold his tequila company for $80 million. The man doesn't even have to sing, I can't drive 55 anymore. Yeah. But his work ethic, I mean, if you can get beyond the, if you can get beyond the sex, drugs, and rock and roll and his new book, um, it's pretty intense. It's called Red, My Uncensored Life in Rock and Roll. Um, you will get such a sense of his business uh, sense that he has. I, I must admit, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that because I thought you would have said Rolling Stones because I know um, some people who know um, Mick Jagger and they say that he is just, he's a jobs. He's a, in, in his industry, he's a visionary. He never stops working. He, he, he would probably be... You know, I use, there's so many that I use, but the main ones I use when I talk about business are Gene Simmons, John Bon Jovi, Sammy Hagar, and Mick Jagger. Yeah. I mean, Mick Jagger fired the um, the manager for the Rolling Stones in 1971. 
he runs the business. Absolutely. More often than not, Mick Jagger does the settlement himself before he goes on stage. I said that's why he walks like a rooster. He knows he just made $5 million for 45 <laughs> minutes worth. <laughs> 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 you walk like that too. Dana, thank you very much for your insights. It is great talking with you. You've had some fantastic experiences. I wouldn't have given up my rock and roll career for <laughs> anything. I mean, it's such it's such a joy, and I still know. Interesting, I still know all the guys from the rock and roll business forty years later. But I, you know, the average Freds that I knew back forty years later, I've forgotten them all. Now, who knew we would live this long, Bob? Absolutely. <laughs> who, who knew we'd live past twenty five? Um, I know, I know. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with Dana or book one of her fantastic... Can you imagine this lady as a speaker? She is sensational. If you want to find out more, go to www.danasteel.com. So that's www.danasteel.com. And I'll be back with no, with more <laughs> No Bullshit Radio in just a minute. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Show. Coming this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. Now, we can tell by the emails that we uh, get that we've got people listening to us from five continents, and uh, most of those are from the United States, but just so that I can be fair to everybody, I'm going to acknowledge our listeners across the globe by doing at least one international email every week. I think the reason that this segment's so popular is that irrespective of where you are or what you do, and whether your company's large or small, we all have the same issues. We did an exercise a couple of weeks ago where we went through all the emails that we've got and looked at the questions that were asked, and uh, it didn't matter where the where the um, email came from or, or um, how big the company was, the questions were the same. And so... Um, 
So if I'm answering a question from somebody who does car repairs and you're in the, um, you're in the banking business, it's highly likely that the uh, answer will apply equally well to you. So my first email today is an international one. Well, sort of an international one from Halifax in Canada. Francis Ashton writes to me, thanks for your program and your book. For small businesses like mine, it is a huge help. There isn't much, there isn't much simple to understand information out there that is very easy to implement. I would like to get more detail about your statement that brand awareness is worthless and brand equity is everything. I'm trying to get clear what the difference is. Francis, that's a great question. It's a mistake that um, a lot of people make. I have so many companies tell me that, you know, they can't compete with their competition because they just don't have the budget to do so. Also, so many businesses run ads about brand awareness. They're absolutely useless. It's just burning money. An absolute waste. Just because somebody knows who you are doesn't mean that they'll buy anything from you. For example, Stub, $75 million a year on branding. Everybody knew who the hell they were. Where are they? Broke. Kodak. 95% brand awareness in the world. Where are they? Broke. So just because somebody knows who you are means nothing. The key is not what people know and who you are. It's how much they like what you stand for and how much they respect you. That's your brand equity. It's a combination of your total value proposition whether they like your product, whether they think you're a good corporate citizen, their impression of doing business with you, you know, how easy it is to navigate your website, how easy it is to fill out credit application forms, how good your customer service is, your follow-up, etc. So if you have great equity in your brand, there's a hell of a lot of benefits. High customer commitment, high quality sales. You get a strong sense of loyalty. And they become advocates. They tell everybody how great you are. They deliver add-on sales. It's much easier to upsell. You get increased profits because there's not the dependence on price. And you increase your accrued equity. Remember, it's the small core of frequent users that create most of the wealth for a business. And they cost less to attract and monitor decrease the influence of price in the buying decisions and they increase your profitability. So forget about brand awareness. Success is about selling people stuff at a good margin. Focus on building brand equity. Francis, you said you read my book. So if you go to chapter four, formulate a clear business vision, in, this is in Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets. You'll get a lot more detail on the difference of brand equity compared to brand awareness. My second email is from Alan Marshall of Salcombe in England. And Alan writes, Dear Bob, picked up a copy of your book. There is a different language used in marketing, and I want to make sure I really understand what you're talking about. A couple of weeks ago, you referred to above-the-line advertising. What exactly does that mean? Well, Alan, in business communication, above the line, through the line, and below the line are advertising techniques. Now, I'm running out of time today, but what I'd like to do is get back to this next week. So the first thing I do in my email segment next week, Alan, is to fully answer your question. But I thought another thing we could start today is um, 
a segment on great business quotes. I'll kick up, kick off with a couple and I'd like you to send me yours. It doesn't have to be about business, just something that strikes a chord with you. Well, one of my all-time favourites is Wayne Gretzky, and I think this is something that we don't do enough. Wayne Gretzky said, always skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is now. Another one favourite of mine that um, has nothing to do with business says, if there truly was justice, Elvis would still be alive, and all those bloody Elvis impersonators would be dead. Remember, we're here to help small businesses succeed. So send in your quotes, email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter and Google+. See you at the same time next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.